Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Greg Bedard Patriots Podcast with Nick Cavins. He is Greg Bedard. I am Nick Cattles. This is the Greg Bedard Patriots Podcast episode number. Let me see where we're at. Oh, episode number 36. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review this bad boy. And of course, we are always brought to you by betonline.ag. Our friends at BetOnline, they do a great job. Greg, it's the offseason now. And, you know, ever since I was like 12 years old, this is a true story. I am a nerd. I would actually sit down in my living room and I would map out my favorite team's offseasons. I was doing this when I was 12. I was looking at salary cap space and people that were available. So this is right down my road. This is in my wheelhouse. But before we get to some personnel decisions the Patriots have to make, let's start off with some news. And I, I thought it was fairly big news. Dave Ziegler is going to actually stick with the Patriots. He interviewed in Denver. He's made the decision to stand in New, stay in New England. Your thoughts on that? Yeah, I thought that's, this was a sneaky big move uh, for the Patriots to retain Ziegler. So he had interviewed in Denver where he had a previous stint. So uh, it wasn't known whether he was going to get offered the general manager job or come back to the Patriots. I think it was very much up in the air. There's a lot of uh, leftover Patriots connections in Denver uh, from Josh McDaniels, like uh, Matt Russell, who actually just retired from there. He had been there for years. So there was a fear that the Broncos liked what they saw in Ziegler last time he was there, liked what he's done with the Patriots uh, since then, and we're going to name him general manager. And I can tell you, Nick, that the fear among – my sources with the Patriots was real that if Ziegler left following Nick Casario, that basically the Patriots personnel department would be somewhat rudderless. Not look, it wouldn't be the cupboard wouldn't be totally bare uh, because there are some really good guys in house who are still there and they do have Elliot Wolf, but just among people who are, sort of Patriots personnel lifers in one way or another that have been here, that are here, that the prospect of Elliot Wolf, who's only been here for a year after uh, stints with the, the, he was with the Packers for a long time. Um, that's where I covered him. The Browns, he went with John Dorsey when he was general manager there, who John used to be with the Packers. There was, there was a real fear that if Belichick, reverted back to Elliot Wolf that the that the personnel department would be in really rough shape. Yeah. And at a time when they need all the help they can get. So Ziegler withdrawing his name in Denver 
staying with the Patriots. Uh, it's been termed that he is, his future is solidified here. We don't know what that means. We're not going to know probably until the media guide comes out in August, what exactly that means and what his title is. I assume it's going to be director of player personnel, similar to uh, what Casario, his title, but uh, we're going to have to see. But in, in general, this is a big move because you did yeah. not want to go into this offseason with a lot of upheaval in a personnel department. I could tell you that Ziegler has widespread respect for, for Patriots personnel that have been here, that are here. Everybody really likes Dave. They think he's really good. And so now I think Patriots fans can breathe a little bit easier that Belichick has a right-hand personnel man that has been here, understands what's going on, understands the shortcomings. The big question, I think, is how is he going to interact with with Belichick? Right. And is it going to be an improvement on what Nick Casario did where a lot of people questioned how much influence he had with Belichick, how much sway? Is it possible that Ziegler has more and is a little bit more forceful than Nick? Yeah, it's possible. And I think a lot of people would like to see that. Yeah, I mean, that was my reaction to it on Twitter at Nick C Radio. When I was talking about this move and this decision was hopefully he pushes back more than Casario did. And yeah, this team does not need any more turnover, right? And it looks like we're in pretty good hands. Josh McDaniels isn't even getting interviews with teams right now. So it looks like he's safe as the OC. You move Ziegler into Casario's spot, whether he gets the title or not. There is some stability there within the structure, which I think is crucial. The question I wanted to ask you, though, Greg, and I've been thinking this and a lot of other people think this and, and the questions have been asked. Do you think Belichick would be interested in bringing back some of the older guys, the, the Piolis, the Dimitrovs, those names of the past? Let's say Ziegler leaves, right? Let's say he did go to Denver. Do you think that was ever a possibility or the past is the past and Belichick would leave that in the rearview mirror? Um. As far as the older guys, uh, the former people, like you mentioned, whether it's Pioli or Dimitrov or Bob Quinn, who was fired in yeah. Detroit, yep. uh, I think he would be open to it. Uh, he, Belichick is always, as long as you've left with a good relationship with him, which most guys have, uh, then he's open to you coming back. And plus, you know, he, you know, he loves the extra brain power for cheap if you're still getting paid by your old place, which most, most of these guys are, as long as you're like a consultant instead of like assistant general manager, then uh, the Patriots really don't have to pay them anything. Uh, the question, my, my big, and, and I do think Bill would be open to any and all of those guys coming back. I think the most realistic one is Quinn because he's a lot younger than the other guys. Not that Dimitrov is old or Pioli's old or anything like that. Um, it's just that Quinn, you know, was, you know, he was very young in his career here, was a young general manager. He got fired. He, he you know, I, I don't think what he's earned in Detroit is going to last for the rest of his life. So right. he's going to need to be employed. Yeah. Dimitrov and Pioli, I don't know if those guys ever need to take a job again from what they were paid and what they're currently getting paid to do, whether it's TV. Dimitrov would be a natural on television. I'm sure that's what's next for him. Uh, but, my big question in regards to those guys is whether they would want to come back yeah. and work here for a couple of reasons. Number one is they've been in charge of their own shop and have their own ideas. And as far as personnel 
in acquisitions and everybody knows that Belichick runs the ship here. And, you know, are, are you willing to come in and do a bunch of work that may not be used and just be disregarded by Belichick? Um, and the other thing is, do those guys want to work the kind of hours that people work here where, you know, before they were their own bosses and could sort of set their own schedules and, and things like that. Uh, everybody knows that this is in Belichick said it several times over the years. This is a very hard place for people to work. It's, it's a, it demands a lot out of people and it's not for everybody. And so I just wonder if those guys, those two circumstances combined, whether those things are uh, appealing to any of those guys, maybe uh, with Quinn, certainly I think so. Dimitrov and Pioli, I see. I have a harder time seeing them come back. Yeah, it's interesting. It's a great point that you make. If you are them, if you're Pioli, Dimitrov, and of course Pioli is already on TV. He's got a gig. Yep. And Dimitrov, if he's going to go to TV as well, well, now that gives you the opportunity. People might say, "Why would you do that when you could work with the Patriots and help build a team?" Well, a Belichick gets the final say, and maybe those guys aren't interested in that. It's tough to go from the A guy to the B guy. Trust me, I've done that before. It's not easy. And then secondly, when you talk about <laughs> when you talk about uh, money, they've got a ton of money and they're making they're going to make good money off of TV working like, I don't know what, one fiftieth of the time they would work yeah. being in the office with the Patriots. And then third, when you look at this, it's also an opportunity for those guys to talk about all the other teams and, and show what they can do in front of the camera, which might actually, especially in this day and age, as we know what you show on camera and how you handle the media yep. and all, that could get you your next gig. So I think all of those things play a huge role. I actually think, you know, if Pioli and Dimitrov were a little bit older, they might actually be more open to returning to the Patriots because they might not be, Oh, look at me. I'm on yeah. TV just for the love of the job. Right. All right. Let's mm -hmm. jump to the next big story, Greg of this week. And that is this bill Belichick, presidential medal of honor freedom whatever it's called right uh, it is the highest honor given to any kind of you know citizen of this country the story came out within the last 36 hours or so that bill belichick was going to get presented this medal uh, he had been invited to the white house this had happened before what went down last week at the nation's capital a lot of people i mean immediately as soon as this story came out People had their takes. Of course, it's 2021. Got to have a take. And a lot of people wondering what Belichick was going to do. Belichick releases a statement last night. He is not going to go to the White House. He has decided to not take the invite. And he mentioned, you know, social injustice and the conversations he had with his players this year on Mondays. He mentioned democracy. Your thoughts on the way Belichick handled this situation? Yeah, well, first of all, Nick, uh, I just want to say off the bat that, uh, you know, when we started BSJ, one of the things that we said at the time was uh, it's going to be a politics-free place. And right. and we've stuck to that, and I'm continuing to s stick to that. We have not written on this. I just don't see the point. I certainly have my very strong personal opinions on a lot of these things, but I just, I just don't understand. Unless they affect the product on the field, I don't, I don't think that they – they have to be intertwined. I just don't. And people will disagree with that. They'll think that I'm I um lacking courage or whatnot. That's fine. I don't I don't really care. Um that's just the decision that I've made uh in regards to BSJ. And um that's the way it's going to continue to be. Uh this is not on BSJ. This is a podcast. This is separate. So 
Um, I feel like it's inbounds for us to comment on it. Um, and uh, I'll set aside my personal politics about this. And I will talk to, speak to uh, the on-field product because I did think that how this went, it could have affected the Patriots' on-field product yeah. next season. Yep. From from this from this angle. Uh, and I'm glad Belichick addressed it in his statement. And I'm not going to parse the statement. Do I think it was as strong as it could have been? No. Do I have a problem with that? No. I mean, he's got, look, he said in the past he has a loyalty and a friendship with Donald Trump. Uh, we all have friends that maybe a lot of people, maybe other people don't like, but they're still our friends, what have you. I'm not going to get into that. I don't have a problem with the statement. I don't care how he worded it. The thing that that caught my eye and I thought was sneaky big was when this came up, when this came up and I was like, oh, man, Belichick's going to go do this after the Capitol and, and especially after what he said all season long, including in his final press conference with us, where he talked about how big of an impact that he that he thought the discussions with the team about what's going on, uh, you know, socially. Um, you know, as far as, uh, you know, Black Lives Matter and things yep. like that. Belichick had touted that, those conversations, and now they opened his eyes, and, you know, he really learned a lot. In general, I just thought, how could Belichick say all these things about his conversations with the players and then go and do this? I think the players would have looked at it like, was he just full of crap? Was he just saying a line? Right. Or did that really matter? And I think Belichick had... I will say that I think, and I don't know this, and and if I knew it, I would write it. Uh, I haven't talked to any players yet. I will. I've been trying to. None of them are talking about this, of course. But I do think that Belichick has strengthened his position in the locker room, and uh, I, I think that I think that this could only help the team. His decision to do this, whether you like it or not, and personally or what have you, with your politics. It doesn't really matter. Belichick has a team to to answer for. He speaks for that team, even though he is a private citizen. He 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 addressed that in a statement. He addressed his players, and I thought that I thought that he made a great decision to to bypass this, whether he gets the Medal of Honor or not privately. I don't really care, but that he's not going to go there and make a spectacle out of this after what just happened in the Capitol. And, and what he's said to his players, I um, I commend Belichick, and I thought this was the right decision. I just think Belichick going to accept this medal would go against everything that he has stood for throughout his entire tenure with the Patriots. And, yep. what and I mean, life. And life. And so, you know, when you talk about democracy, when, when you talk about the meaning of this country, and, and we know that Belichick has – a huge tie with, you know, the military and, and his thought of, of service and all of that. What happened last week, whether you are on the left, the right, it doesn't matter to me in the middle. It really doesn't matter to me. Uh, what happened last week? I think all of us should be, I would say disappointed, dejected, disgusted, whichever adjective you want to use. What happened at the nation's capital last week is inexcusable. And it's awful that it happened in this country. And, and to see that happen at our capital and some of the video that's come out since then, again, uh, to me, this is not left or right. It's not Republican or Democrat. This It sounds like political speak, but this is the honest truth. 
this is American. You know, th this is what we should all stand for. What happened last week should never happen at our capital ever under any circumstances. It hadn't happened in hundreds of years and it should never happen again. So if you're Belichick and you put yourself into the middle of that, it goes against everything you've stood for. Belichick does not like to be in the middle of dumpster fires, distractions, PR moves, and that's what it would have been. If Belichick went, it would have been the ultimate PR move, you know, to get your picture taken and, you know, hobnob with the president one last time before he leaves office. And I think, it, you know, if he went along with that plan, it would have looked really bad. And again, it doesn't have anything to do with politics. It's got to do with the person. And when he goes into that locker room and what he tells the guys in the conversations that they've had this year, I do think if you go there and you accept the Medal of Freedom during a time where what we saw play out last week, if you do that, especially during this time, it does come across as fraudulent to the guys that you've sat down with and said, I care about what you're saying right now and I care about how we move forward, I think he would have put a sledgehammer to all of that if he showed up. So I do think really he had no choice in the matter. And, you know, listen, I'm not going to pick apart his his statement either. I think that's a waste of time. I think, you know, everybody's going to try to say, oh, if he said this, if he said that, there was going to be no perfect statement that he was going to release. Whatever yeah. he said, somebody was going to have an issue with it. I thought what he said was fine. I I, I I actually had no issue with it. So I'm ready to move on. He's ready to move on. And uh, again, hopefully what we saw last week will never, ever happen again. And uh, hopefully left, right, middle, we can all kind of take a deep breath and say, what in the world has been going on here? Let, let's, let's settle this a little bit and let's try to go back to being human beings and Americans first and foremost. All right, before we get to uh, some of these some of these uh, Patriots free agency decisions, because there's a lot of them. I mean, there's a lot of names here, Greg, that we're going to run down. We're going to do this rapid fire style. Yep. Uh, let's tell people about Bet Online and, and some of the some of the lines that are coming up this weekend. As a matter of fact, give you some advice too. Yeah, uh, Nick. Uh, so we got so we had let's see two triple headers last weekend. We have two double headers this weekend with the with the NFL. You got the uh, NBA is coming. Hey, hockey's coming this week. I cannot wait for that my no, wife and uh <laughs> my wife and kids uh have been uh waiting with bated breath to watch the bruins get back on the ice and that's happening this week so you know a ton of stuff going on over at betonline.ag and there is only one place that has you covered and one place we tr we trust and that's betonline.ag sign up today for a free account at betonline.ag and use that promo code clns50 for your 50 percent off welcome bonus uh, I was just looking through the lines over at betonline.ag. You have, uh, and just my sort of my quickie feelings right now, early on in the week, you have the Packers favored by six and a half. I think that's a lot. I think the Ravens, the Rams are really good on defense. I, I, I really like Brandon Staley, the defensive coordinator. Yeah, he's doing um, a great job. Yeah. One of the best moves of the season, the yeah. offseason, was firing Wade Phillips and hiring Brandon Staley. Yep. Um, who could be a head coach very soon? Uh, I, I, the Rams on offense. I, I kind of think that um, Goff got benched, and he might continue to stay on the bench for Wolford. We'll have to see. Uh, Ravens Bills that line keeps creeping down. Interesting. I think the Bills almost opened at a, 
at a three point. It's now down to one point. The Bills are favored by the Rams, which I do think is going to be the, the best game of the weekend. And that was a bad draw for the for the Bills in that game instead of the Steelers. Um, Chiefs are favored by 10 over the Browns. I don't know. Those Browns are pretty, uh, pretty spunky. Yeah, but, they can run uh, the football too. And Kansas City's defense, not yep. particularly great against the run. Good point. And then uh, Tampa Bay is is the underdog in New Orleans after getting their Should asses whooped by the Saints twice this season yep. uh, by three. So that's interesting. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get in on the action. Don't forget to use that promo code CLNS50 to receive a 50% off welcome bonus with your first deposit. Excuse me, a 50% welcome bonus. It's not off. You get 50% more with your welcome bonus with your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbooks experts. Good old welcome bonus. All right, let's yep. talk about the uh, free agents now coming up here in New England. We'll do a quick yay or nay. Your fire, thoughts, my thoughts, rapid fire on these guys. Let's start off with Joe Tooney. A lot of people say there's no way the Patriots can lose Joe Tooney. Do not lose this guy. Keep him there. Yay or nay on Tooney, Greg? Nay. I love Joe Tooney. Um, I have loved Joe Tooney. I will continue to love Joe Tooney, but he is a guard. They gave Shaq Mason a lot of money. Shaq Mason has played well this year. You got to make some decisions. And, um, you know, related to another decision further down the list, uh, I am going, no, I'm using that money elsewhere. They should have done that this past year. They would have a third, an additional third round comp pick and more cap space. Uh, they already made a mistake. Don't double down on the mistake and, and just move on. I agree. I'm a nay on Tooney. Love him. He's very good at what he does. You can find another interior offensive lineman for a lot less money than you would pay Tooney. Next one up is Jason McCourty. Yay or nay? I'm a nay. I can understand Belichick will probably be a yay because he, he just has to have veteran guys that 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 can give him some depth. And I just the Jason McCourty is the type of poster child for how this team got into uh a bad cap situation like i'm sorry but if a guy's barely gonna play or just give you coverage in certain places you got to find a younger guy who can do that for cheaper you cannot keep bringing these guys back for almost you know i think the vet salary now is almost like two million dollars minimum like you cannot keep doing this so nay nay see i'm more yay on this one just because i don't know what to expect from that secondary is gilmore here or not it looks like a lot of people believe he's gone. I would try to keep Gilmore, but a lot of people believe he's going to be out. So if he's gone, that's an issue. Uh, J.C. Jackson has not proven to be a number one corner when he's had the opportunity to do so. And so I look at the rest. I, I think McCourty is a nice depth piece. The one thing that I would say that you brought up, which is completely fair, is the money. And do you want to burn around $2 million on McCourty? It depends on what else you do. It depends on how you're filling other weaknesses. But I would lean yay just to have some dependability in that secondary with him. Uh, next one up is James White. Yay or nay? I love James White, but I'm a nay just because I, I just think they it's it's similar to Jason McCourty, even though James White is a much better football player. Um, it's it's the cost, and you know JJ Taylor showed a little bit. James White has had a tough personal year. I'm more inclined to letting him go. Hopefully, he signs on with. You know, he would be perfect with Brady and Tampa. You know, go down there, reunite. He's closer to his mom. Um, probably everybody would be happier. And, and you know, another place where the Patriots can save 4 or $5 million. And just, you know, you got to try to go forward with cheaper guys. You just sometimes younger guys just have to play. Yeah, I'm a nay on James White. Pretty much ditto to everything you said. I think you're in good shape with Michelle Harris 
and of course, JJ Taylor. You could always draft a guy, pick up a guy who's cheaper. It's the running back position. I mean, you don't need to invest a ton in that position to be good in the NFL. We see it across the league. So I'm a nay on James White, unfortunately. Uh, Lawrence Guy, yay or nay? Hell yeah, I'm a yay. I'm a yay on that. <laughs> I mean, you know, not only my personal feelings, but uh, just they don't have anybody else on the interior, and they cannot just start. Oh, I mean, Bo Allen is still under contract, but they cannot just come back with the status quo um, with what they have without Lawrence Guy. They don't. They don't have anybody proven. They need him. He has to be there. He has to. I'm a yay. Don't make the same mistake. Even though I think this guy is better than Guy. But don't make the same mistake you made with Akeem Hicks. When you have somebody who is really good in the middle of your defensive line, know what he's doing. He plays hard. I mean, you can't say anything bad about guy on or off the field. Keep that dude in New England. Uh, Adam Butler, yay or nay? I'm a nay just because I think of the price tag uh, that it's going to be him as a sub rusher. Uh, Look, I I think Butler has value. I think it's a little overinflated by some people around here. Uh, I do think he's very good as a sub rusher, but he's never going to be more than that. Right. And I'm not paying a premium price for a guy who really is only a sub sub rusher. And so go find the next Adam Butler. It shouldn't be all that hard or go find a cheap veteran who, who can give you similar production just at a much lower cost. Yeah. I am a nay on Butler. First of all, he can't stay on the field. And, and that's an issue. He's always banged up. He's always missing games. I'm I'm concerned by overpaying for a guy who just isn't there consistently. And again, you know, these are very tough decisions, but I think every, every nickel that you put towards somebody else is a nickel that you can't use on something you might really need. So like offense. Yeah. So if Butler was there consistently, then I might think about it, but if he was there consistently, he'd probably be asking for way too much money. So I'm a nay. On Butler. I think I know where we both stand on this guy coming up next. Yay or nay, David Andrews. Another hell yay. Uh they again, they have nothing at center. They have, I mean, James Ferris they brought off the street and they got rid of Froholt. They have nothing at center. They have to bring David Andrews back. I've seen the light. He is hugely valuable to this team. Uh, I will never underestimate that again. And he needs to be back here. I'm with you. You know, when we talk about Tooney. I agree. You know, it's Tooney versus Andrews. You're not going to spend, you know, 27 right, exactly. to $30 million on two offensive line positions in an offseason when you need so much more. You got to pick and choose between those two guys and picking Andrews because it's yep. tough to find a center. Uh, he is pivotal to this operation, part of the of the offensive line there right in the middle. So I'm keeping Andrews. Jermaine Illuminor. Nope. Uh, but goodbye, Jermaine. You, you started off the season well. Um, but from what I've heard, uh, it's likely that Marcus Cannon is going to be back. I don't even think that assures him of being on the roster. But really? you have Justin Huron. Pardon? Okay. I said that was interesting. Marcus Cannon coming back. You, you think? Yeah, I, I, I don't know if we talked about it last week. But um, what I have heard is that it's largely positive on all the opt-outs, that they're all coming back. Now, nice. we don't know what the exact situation And I don't have that hard and fast from everybody. Right. Uh, but – my sources indicate that it's there's been a lot of positive talk about everyone coming back, and that includes Marcus Cannon, which is, was a surprise to me because I figured he was the with his health issues, he would be the guy uh, to sit it out. 
you know, basically retire, but uh, apparently not. Now, whether he makes the team at his salary, whatever, does he need to pay, take a pay cut? That's for a later date. Uh, but you still you have Justin Huron. It's it's a right tackle. You should be able to figure some things out. Uh, so Jermaine Illuminor is no longer needed. I would let him go, and he might get a decent contract from elsewhere, so you might get a decent comp pick. All right, so the next one is, and I'm a neon Illuminor. Yep. The next one is, uh, do we do we need to go into this one, or do we just say, nope, trash, moving on, dumpster fire? Uh, I don't know how you want to handle it. John Simon. Yeah, I. Uh, he is another no. He is the poster child for what's gone wrong with this roster and the lack of uh, confidence in playing the younger guys like a Chase Winovich. Uh, guys like John Simon have taken Chase Winovich's snaps, and I just don't see the wisdom in that. And considering how he played the second half of the season, which was not good, um, he needs to be gone. And Patriots need to move on. They need to get a lot better on the edge, or else we're going to be having a lot of these same conversations next year. Agree across the board. Nay, 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 nay. Yep. John Simon. Rex Burkhead. Uh, depends on the price tag. Look, he's coming back from major surgery. Uh, everybody loves him. He's good when he's healthy. It's got to be a minimum contract with incentives if he does come back just to sort of give you backup. Um, he might not make it out of camp. It depends on how he looks. But initially to bring him back, yeah. Yeah, I'm fine. I'm fine with Michelle Harris. You can flip that order, obviously, I'm not, and no particular order. But uh, in a particular order, if you'd like, Harris, Michelle, Burkhead, J.J. Taylor. You know, see that competition between Taylor and Burkhead. I'd be fine if you rolled into a season with those four guys. I think that's a good position group. The one question, of course, is injury. Harris has been injured. Burkhead has been injured. Uh, Sony Michelle has been injured. So can those guys stay healthy? If they stay healthy, I think you're in really good shape. That's one of the only positions on this roster that I feel pretty good about is running back. Uh, okay, here's a big one. Cam Newton, yay or nay? Uh, only if, say, there's a first-round draft pick and Cam doesn't have anybody else and it's really cheap again and they're looking for sort of a veteran presence um, to you know, possibly help the young kid. That's the only scenario that I'm open to. I'm an A. I think you could yep. find that position that you're talking about with other guys. Magic. That'll be, yeah, Fitz Magic. Even though I think Fitzpatrick might end up getting a good contract to start somewhere. I would not be surprised if a team actually tries to bring Maybe him here. If you look at, oh boy, if you look at how things match up. But yeah, I think you could find that, you know, veteran mentor like Alex Smith. You could find Alex Smith and say, hey, we'll pay you if he's going to come back. We'll pay you a couple million bucks to be that mentor. And a guy that I think could run the Patriots offense passing wise better than Cam did. So I'm going to stay on Cam. I love what he brought. Great leader. We talked about him a lot last week. All respect to that guy. But I think it's time he goes somewhere else and and maybe tries to find a better fit. Uh, Demir Bird, yay or nay? Uh, I think, yay. I, I think he, uh, look, he came in here and it was a different type of Patriots offense, but uh, I thought he acclimated himself well. And actually, you know, for a free agent receiver coming in here, he's done a lot better than most. And so I would like to see him with a real quarterback and and uh, see if his speed gets unleashed a little bit more. But uh, yeah, I'm definitely open to it. I could hear somebody in my head right now, many people probably listening to this podcast, but Badad, he dropped a pass, Badad. Did you see the drop <laughs> that he had? Yeah, he, he did have the drop on the trick play. It was a terrible drop. It hit him right in the face. In the face. But uh, I actually agree with you. I'm a yay on Bird. Uh, he's an upgrade on Philip Dorsett, and some people might say, oh, that doesn't yep. mean much. 
But if you give him a good quarterback, I, I think he's the perfect three slash four receiver in a system. And he has proven to be able to get open. I agree with you about his speed. His speed plays better than Dorsett on the field. I do think you can find him occasionally downfield with a chunk play. So I'm all in on Demir Bird as like the fourth guy here. I am. I, I think he's good wide receiver depth and can make some things happen with a decent quarterback throwing the football to him. Uh, Shleek Calhoun, yay or nay? Uh, nay, just because like I, I like what he brings, and he would be an upgrade as sort of the John Simon veteran edge guy. And, of course, the Patriots had two of them. Let's not talk about that. But um, he just he gets hurt too much. Like it, it, he he looks great in training camp and then comes to the season and he plays like a game and he gets hurt. And no, I'm not doing it again. Brandon Copeland. Uh, yes, because I would like him. I love his veteran presence. He's really smart. He can he gives you coverage at a bunch of different areas in the front seven, including like for a Calhoun or Simon. So at a minimum, I would be open to that. I'm a I'm a nay, by the way, on Calhoun. As far as Copeland, I'll just take your word for it. I don't know much about the dude. I haven't watched him play a lot. Of course, he wasn't around much this season. So I'll take your, you know, eye and, and word on, on that guy. So I guess I'd be a yay if the if the money is short, which it would be. Uh Dietrich Wise. Nope. Um Dietrich, it was you're a great dude. You gave your all. You work harder probably than anybody on the team. Um, but it's just you don't have a position in this defense anymore. It's and what the position that they put you in the last two years, two or three years, playing inside, playing five technique, it's just it doesn't do a service to you. You need to go to a four-three team. You need to be an end there, kick inside on, and that's where you were drafted. They were playing four-three at the time. They've morphed into more of a three-four team, and it just hasn't been uh, fair to you, and it hasn't been good for the team. So uh, I look forward to watching him play elsewhere, and uh, I hope he has a lot of success. Yeah, I think he's better than people understand because I do think the fit is an issue. And I also think he yep. might be a little overpriced. I would not be surprised if he fetches a pretty decent contract out there. So yep. uh, I'm an A on Dietrich wise. All right, let's move on to a couple of other things before we get to our BostonSportsJournal.com member question of the day. Quick thoughts on some of the playoff games. Again, we'll try to do this as quickly as possible. Ravens versus the Titans. What'd you see, Greg? Well, I thought my big takeaway was um, the Ravens came to play and they had a chip on their shoulder. Um, it's almost like the old Ravens. Um, so that's a really bad matchup for the bills, in my opinion, um, this weekend. Uh, but, and I thought Lamar Jackson did fine. Uh, he was more dangerous with his legs. Um, he, he passed great after the first quarter. I thought he did really well. He threw some nice passes on the move. Um, my big takeaway or my lingering thought was the, um, was the logo stomping. Oh, yeah. um, because I think it's – I don't have a problem with them doing it. I had a problem with them when they did it and how they did it, which yeah. was the game wasn't over yet. Right. Yep. Like, there was 145 left. That penalty pushed the, – gave the ball – the Ravens the ball at the 38. The Titans had all three timeouts left. They easily could have lost that game because of that decision. And also, that guys came streaming off the sideline as soon as it happened. It was premeditated. So that means that these – these guys were taking time during the playoff week to worry about their their uh, celebrations after games. That means that they weren't worried about the task at hand. They were worried about 
dancing on the emblem uh, on the logo and also not shaking hands at the end of the game. And so to me, this just shows that the Ravens aren't all buttoned up. This is not the same old Ravens team of the past that, you know, when Joe Flacco and those guys who, uh, you know, you know, Ed Reed and Suggs and those guys, like, I don't think Suggs would have let that, that kind of nonsense go on this past weekend. Ed Reed was critical of it, um, which I agreed with. I'm just disappointed because I do think that the Ravens have a lot of talent. Uh, I just think that they, they just don't have it altogether attitude wise. And that Marcus Peters makes an interception. Like, you know, he's the poster child for like, you know, he'll play, he plays when he wants to, he quit against the Patriots. He quits all the time. If it gets hard against the bills, he's going to quit again. You watch, like, I just don't like that team in general. And I thought that whole episode was emblematic of what went on. I think it comes from the top, too. I mean, John Harbaugh, after that game, calling it the greatest win of his career is a joke. Like, you won a Super Bowl, John. What the hell yeah. are you talking about? And that tells you that the coach was wrapped up in the emotion of what was mm-hmm. happening, which is not a good thing. I also thought Vrabel had a tough day at the office. Uh, yep. I did not agree with the punt that that he called. For. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I, I thought that was atrocious. But the biggest story of the game was the Ravens' defense. It wasn't Lamar Jackson. I know everybody gets wrapped up in Lamar Jackson and the narrative. He can't win a game, blah, 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 blah. Listen, the reason why the Ravens won that game was because the defense and the front was awesome against Derrick Henry. They suffocated him at the line of scrimmage. And if you limit Henry to 40 yards rushing, when you play Tennessee, you're most likely going to win that football game. Yeah, Tannehill can't beat you. Yeah, that was was the difference in that game. Bills, Colts. Uh, I... To me, it was the the story of this game was the Colts should have won this game that they that they sort of lost it more than the the Bills won it. I agree. Even though I do think the Bills, I thought Josh Allen made some uh, key plays. Um, I I just think that the Colts between uh, the 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 Ture offsides oh, to me God. was probably the play of the game, and I will not admit that that guy went to Rutgers. We don't need to talk about that, but. <laughs> You know, if they were going to take the field goal, if they take the field goal there instead of the touchdown, it, it, it enabled the, the Bills to keep going and score a touchdown there. The drive should have ended there. It didn't. That was a huge mistake. Uh, that they couldn't convert in the red zone was huge. Uh, give credit to the Bills and their defense. But I just thought the Colts should have won that game. And and I thought they lost it more than the Bills won it. Frank Reich sucked. The The goal line scenario late in the first half was one of the worst I've seen. Uh, second down, Wildcat Naheem Hines, not good. Third down and goal, you run a pitch play to Jonathan Taylor when you've been really good running in between the tackles uh, against uh, the Bills in that game. You decide to run a pitch play, you lose three yards, and then after you lose three yards, you decide to go for it on fourth and goal from the Buffalo four, and you throw a fade route to a rookie wide receiver. Pittman's, you know, he, he's he's a talented guy. But that's a, with Phillip Rivers as your quarterback, rookie receiver, that's a pretty low percentage play to call on a fourth and goal. I thought it was nonsense. I thought Reich did not get any better uh, in the second half. He had a couple of questionable punts. And the challenge, my freaking goodness, that's the worst challenge I've ever seen. Zach yeah. Moss, Zach Moss goes down. He's hurt. Everybody knows that you get a TV timeout when somebody gets hurt on the field. You get the TV timeout. We get a replay that shows Moss was down before he fumbled. And for some stupid unknown reason, Frank Reich challenges the play before they even get to the TV timeout. 
and that left his team with one timeout the remainder of the game. Frank Reich lost that game for his team. Period. Yep. End of sentence. He lost Good the game call. for his team. Uh, let's move on to uh, Tampa Bay. Your thoughts against uh, Washington on Saturday night? Yeah, just in general, and and um, you know, I'll sort of give you my thoughts on Steelers Browns. We don't need to talk about the other games, but um, I thought I thought Brady played really well in that game. I it, it's not a surprise. Every time I watch Tom Brady against Jack Del Rio, I just it, it, it amazes <laughs> me that Jack Del Rio is still in the league. And yes, we did talk up Washington and their defense, but the thing is. Like, you know, Chase Young is just running by the quarterback every time. Like, yep. you can't do that. And, like, there's zone coverage. And, like, Brady knows how to kill him, and he does. And and so, you know, and and Heineke did a great job. Um, obviously, people are talking about him and the Patriots. We'll, we'll see what happens. Um, but my my other than I thought Tom played really well, I guess a defense that he kicks the crap out of every time, uh, was that – the the Bucks are just the Bucks. I don't have much confidence in going forward. Tom Brady is not cannot paper up that many holes on that team in terms of attitude and discipline and 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 smarts and things like that. I just don't think that the the Bucks are long for the playoffs. But you know who knows? It's tough for a team to beat one three times in a season. And and the the on Steelers Browns, just what a what a debacle as far as Roethlisberger and Tomlin and the Steelers like it's embarrassing they need to look at a lot of things and they are not in good shape considering their quarterback situation their cap situation it's you know they could be looking at a, a regression here big time yeah uh coming here very shortly yeah I mean Juju's a free agent James Conner wasn't very good this year Roethlisberger I don't think he has a future in the league honestly I think he's done he's toast and you know Tomlin I thought maybe he watched Mike Vrabel and Frank Reich during the weekend and even Pete Carroll and said, Hmm, I'm going to try to win worst coach of the weekend award because I, I thought Tomlin was awful on Sunday night. I, I thought there was a lot of mediocre to bad coaching uh, during super wild card weekend. Uh, I thought there was a lot of bad coaching that we saw. Uh, I thought we saw some good coaching last night from Nick Saban again, Alabama national champions for the people that thought Nick Saban was done. I, you know, I saw a lot of people going back a couple of years ago when Dabo won his second national championship with Clemson saying, oh, well, you know, Dabo's the guy now, and and maybe the game has passed Saban by a little bit. Nope, you were wrong. Saban again, top of the mountain. Yeah, I, I watched some of that. I just I, – I, I can't watch a full college football game any longer. It's Why, just, it's like five and a half hours long? Oh, that? my God. It's just, it's just brutal. <laughs> it's not just the playoff games. It's every game. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I just – I just I don't have much thought on Mac Jones and all that stuff. I need to look at tape and and decide you know what's Alabama's talent. What how much is Mac Jones? I mean I I wasn't overly impressed with him last night. Uh, I think a lot of it was just how good Alabama is and Devontae Smith and and all that stuff. And um, but you know I I've covered Nick Saban and Bill Belichick. I find uh, myself uh, very lucky to have done that. I mean with their now combined. 13 championships uh it's 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 pretty amazing i feel very uh fortunate to cover both of those guys yeah Devonte smith stud Najee harris stud i thought mac jones though in the second half when smith went out with the hand injury that actually gave him an opportunity to show that he wasn't just all Devonte smith and i thought he did a pretty good job you know i don't know i'm not sold on mac jones as like a first round like if you're asking me should the patriots pick him at 15 i would not i'm not sold on the guy being a franchise quarterback. 
I am sold on the idea of drafting him at some point, second round, third round, bring him in and see what you can get out of him. Cause he does show some good traits. He's very smart. Uh, he goes through his progressions. He can, he can move the pocket at times from what I've seen last night. He got dinged up on the leg. He stayed in, he showed some toughness. Uh, he does not have the strongest arm in the world and he's not asked to fit it in tight windows all the time because of all the skill position, you know, success that they have there at Alabama. And one name I want to get to before we move on to the question of the day, Steve Sarkeesian. And I know a lot of people question about him going to, you know, going to Texas and should he get another shot, blah, blah, blah. But as an offensive coordinator, he did a great job this year uh, in Alabama. He found ways to get Smith the football, which isn't easy. When the guy is the Heisman Trophy winner, and last night he did that again, pre-snap motion, uh, doing. they had a screen pass. It looked like the screen, Mac Jones pumped, he pump faked on the screen and Smith went from looking like the lead blocker to running a little in route and it worked perfectly. I thought Sarkeesian had a great night last night and I think his stock as an offensive play caller is very high. And of course, now there's a report that Bill O'Brien will be headed to Alabama as the OC. So that'll be interesting if that unfolds in that way. Uh, the Boston Sports Journal member question of the day. Check them out over at BSJ, 11 cents a day on their annual plan. Not only do you get top-notch analysis of all the Boston Pro Sports, if you're a Pats fan, and of course you are, a membership at BSJ gives you access to a ton of video analysis Bedard does on the coach's film and direct access to him in weekly chats. Pats fan 12, Greg, asks you, what would it take to get Deshaun Watson? Uh, <laughs> a complete meltdown of the situation in Houston. I mean, I just think... I think the, the the odds are very low that uh, extremely low that Nick Casario, his first big move in Houston is going to be to trade Deshaun Watson, who's one of the few bright spots on that roster. Uh, he's tremendous. It would. Yeah, I mean, it was it would basically have to get to a situation where Watson doesn't want to show up. I think I think Casario is going to sit down with him and his agent. I think they're going to reason. He's going to explain why he's not just a continuation of Easterby and O'Brien and things like that. I think Nick can be persuasive. Um, but one thing I would like to see, Nick, is I would love to see Deshaun, ja Deshaun Watson um, go to Cal McNair and say, it's either me or Jack Easterby, to see what McNair would say. Because I don't know what he would say, but it would certainly be interesting, and I'm all for the drama. The power of Jack Easterby in Houston is one of the most unsolved mysteries in the history of football. I, I just, I don't get it. That guy, he's got, he should be a politician. He, he's got magic with the tongue, apparently. Like, he goes to Cal McNair's house is the story and talks them out of hiring, what, Omar Khan or whatever from Pittsburgh. Yeah. Like, right before they're about to make the hire, Easterby shows up. It's like, what that? what's that movie when Cusack's holding up the, uh, the boom box? Yeah, say anything. Anything. It's like, was Easterby out in the parking lot? Like, was he out there in the driveway of Cal McNair holding the boombox and like with the, with Casario picture on the boombox? I, I don't know what he said or what it's he more did. Of a, I think it's more of a Jedi mind trick. He's like, this isn't the GM you're looking for. And <laughs> that sort of thing. And by the way, as Deshaun Watson, uh, Benjamin Albright, uh, an NFL insider out there, I think he's now in Denver. Uh, he tweeted last week that he was speaking to people inside the league and asked, where would Houston start off as far as asking price for Watson? And they said you would have to start the discussion with at least three firsts, three seconds, and a player that's good and will contribute right away. That was the starting point. And listen, 
I would love to see Watson as a Patriot, just like everybody else. It ain't happening. And even if, because even if Watson does go to McNair and asks out, there's just teams that have more to offer. Chris Mortensen said on Sunday, Miami. I mean, you've got Tua, you've got the Houston picks, you've got your own picks. They can they can throw the mother load at um, at Houston, and I think Houston would have to take that kind of a deal. So I I just think yeah. even if he was going to get traded, there are teams that can you know, trump the offer of the Patriots, which means it, it's unlikely, if not impossible, he will be a Patriot. Unless he says, send me to New England, which even under those circumstances, I don't think it would happen. Uh, no. Greg Bedard Patriots podcast with Nick Cattles, episode 36 in the books. Uh, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. We're brought to you by betonline.ag. We're back later in the week. Maybe we'll talk quarterback. Maybe we'll talk some breaking news. Who knows? It's going to be a busy offseason. Till then, be good, be safe, be healthy. 